Just talking about butters here before the show. It is, let's say, the 25th, yeah. Thursday, 1 o'clock on the East Coast. Guy, Dan, CBW, butters. Because if it's Thursday, it's butters. It ain't margarine. It, what is it? It's butters. Bitch, yes, it is. Yeah. And there's a lot to talk about today. Lots. Um, Rangers put Nick Benino on waivers. A lot of people <laughs> saying, what's that? I get it. I just asked one of my sources with the Rangers. We'll talk about that. In- Will you have sources with the Rangers? Yeah, actually, well, I won't bore it because right, yeah. Amanda's like, please I stop. But we know Glenn Sather and I used to go back and forth on email. Oh, yeah. I actually almost got him to sign David Booth, who is a friend. I'm not just talking. It's David, a little, David's a, a buddy of mine, yeah, yeah. and I wanted him to come to the Rangers yeah. on a one-year deal. And he wanted to do it, but he didn't want to play for the coach because he played for that coach in Vancouver. Yeah. So he wound up signing in Toronto. Anyway, let's take a look at today's rundown. How low will Tesla go? That's an homage to Greece. Have China stocks bottom? You know what? I think so, maybe. And take some chips off the table. That's CBW. So a, that's a fun little rundown. Ooh, that's we got a, a lot going Diaz. on. All right, so let's get into it, guy, because I think there's there's a couple things going on in the stock market right now that I think are really important to, I think, how we probably come out of earnings season. So this would be Q4 earnings season, and we're going to get into the crux of it next week. We have the big five. That would be Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, and Meta all reporting next week. But let's just look at Tesla. And we've been talking about this for a while. We've been talking about the fundamentals. We've been talking about the sentiment regarding this stock. Um, We've been talking about how it's really underperformed many of its mega cap tech peers. We didn't think it belonged to be in the Magnificent Seven. It's just a mere... Um, you know, market cap, yeah, story, market yeah. cap story. Okay. So here's this gap. Okay. And you know, guy, you and I were talking yesterday, right? When the results were coming out and I was like, Oh, it's only down three and a half percent because again, this was before the call. You're like, don't worry. It's going much lower. Like that was your immediate response mm-hmm. there. And you know, when you look at that opening gap and you see that print, it was like down there at 190, and you see where it's trading now. And we're going to be towards 180 yeah. at some point today. That is real selling. So just talk to me in, in your mind, why you were, it's very clear to you why the stock would continue to sell off, especially once big money comes in on the open. Well, day. I mean, because it harkens back to a lot of things you've been talking about, because just on a fundamental story. And when you told me what the margins were, because you called me, I think, right after six o'clock yeah. and we had a conversation. I'm like, that's it's not good because a lot of people thought, you know, the tr- the trough quarter was going to be two quarters ago. And clearly that's not the case. So they have, I think. Not probably a demand problem, but now you well, know they're not you, admitting that they have well, a demand. Which you, is a, no, but that when is you a big when you problem, cut though. prices, yeah, yeah. how many times? I mean, yeah, clearly yeah, something's yeah. going on. Yeah. All right, so anyway, so it's problematic. So you put it all together, and you're saying to yourself, hmm. And then when the technicals are broken, and if a man on the, in real time, if you could put up that chart, go back to the prior high, and you can see this pennant formation that we've talked about for a while that broke. And you know, typically when something like that breaks in a meaningful way. There's going to be a continuation, and that's what you're seeing now. So the question really is, where do you get in the stock if you're looking to enter or put on a long position? And I think this channel probably speaks to that, and it probably puts us, you know, we've been talking about this 175-ish level for a while, sort of puts you back to levels we saw in April of last year. So it's not that I'm bullish by any stretch of imagination, but, but, you know, this is a tradable thing. But look at that channel. I mean, like, like it's tradable. I mean, like, so if you were going to take a shot somewhere down there at near, you know, near that kind of 175 or so um, would make some sense. One of the things I think is interesting is that the fundamentals, it's been very apparent that they've been weak. Okay. And so we haven't even had this macro situation, which Elon last year started complaining about the rise 
rising interest rates um, and what that might do to the economy here, but also globally and what his fear, what that might mean for demand, right? And so they haven't really highlighted the fact that they've seen weakening demand. Actually, on the call, they keep talking about how demand's there. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, he keeps focused on um, interest rates and the cost to buy a car and with rates higher that makes their cars that much more expensive I, I just don't buy it if you can do the the the, the simple math it, it doesn't really make that big of a deal with where interest rates have gone for the most part for most of these cars the one thing I'll say guy is that you know what could be different this time okay they spent a lot of time not being fairly specific about you know, some of the the issues that they have in the near term and talking about some big things in the longer term about AI and about robots. And, you know, he actually said in the first few minutes of the call that, you know, this could be the most valuable company in the world. And, and, you know, maybe it could be, but right now, I don't know why you have to sit around and wait for it. A lot of things, there are a lot of maybes. Yeah. I mean, it it could be, and it could be one of the great overpriced, overvalued, you know, traps of all time as well. I mean, Let's put up a long-term well, chart. We have, we, the, the so there you go. Your okay, yeah. so there you go. There's my pennant, all right? But this stock is now more than 50% lower than its all-time high. And think about what the broader market has done over that period of time. Think about what NASDAQ's done, the S&P, the Dow Jones. I mean, they're all within whisper, if not at all-time yeah. highs. And this stock has not been able to perform in that environment. That's problematic. And when you break down technically, that is also problematic. So again, it's in terms of levels and where do you want to get in? And maybe he's right. I mean, maybe Kathy Wood is right and the stock is worth. But right now, today, uh, it's clearly showing its warts. The question, again, is if you've been short, is this a level to cover? If you're looking at entry point somewhere between 175 and 180, does it make sense? And the short answer is probably yes, but with a very tight leash. Yeah, and at some point in the not so distant future, it's going to come. It's going to be a great sentiment trade to kind of flip it the other way, right? And you're going to have a quick twenty percent. It's just the way the stock has been trading. But the technicals are broken, the fundamentals are broken, and they were unable to guide to a point at this year Mm -hmm. where they're going to change. And I just want so on the flip side of that guy, um, we have IBM. Okay, so IBM, this is a stock that you have liked um, for a long time. I've kind of probably got, did a little side eye here and there every once in a while. And I don't mean that. No, no, no. It, it, listen, but, there was no reason. I mean, IBM has not acquitted no, themselves for years. You've highlighted a couple fundamental reasons. You've highlighted some sentiment reasons. You highlighted some technical reasons. Look at people. That is a very long base. There's not too yeah. many stocks in the stock market in the S&P 500 that have based that long and that, you know, in and that fashion and that breakout is pretty epic. And, you know, you just thought it could could keep going because incrementally, when you have a stock trading at a valuation like that with estimates or expectations really low, it doesn't take that much to get a continuation of a bullish move. Yeah, but even I'll be the first to say, did I think it was going to get to levels we're trading at in a one day? No, absolutely not. I mean, you got to be honest with this stuff as well. Yeah, I thought IBM was cheap. I thought the market as they sort of, if they discovered or tried to find tech stocks on valuations they could wrap their head around. I think IBM was at the top of that list. I thought the same thing for Oracle, and that was right, that was wrong. We'll see how that plays out. But IBM, in terms of sort of the re, I don't know, the recalibration, or they've sort of gotten themselves into the 21st Mm -hmm. century, yeah, I think this re-rating makes a lot of sense. So I think today is probably going to mark, at least in the short term, probably some sort of top, but it's probably going to trade sideways, probably in this new range. But IBM is one you shouldn't take off your radar screen. I mean, if you think about the Red Hat integration, probably took longer than people mm-hmm. thought, but they've gotten to the other side of that. There are a lot of reasons to like IBM for sure. 
But today is not the day to enter in a long position for the first time, I don't think. Agreed. Um, all right, let's do it. Let's bring him in. That would be Is that Carter Braxtonworth? Carter Braxtonworth of Worth Charting. Carter, there, there he IBM. is. IBM, it just shows every dog has its day. Yes. Every dog has its day. Hey, talk to us a little bit. And, and, and again, the juxtaposition between these two stories, one which is a much-loved story that can't get out of its own way, and the fundamentals um, appear to be getting worse before our eyes, and investors are now really kind of wholeheartedly, you know, rethinking this story. And then on the flip side, an IBM, a name that many investors have forgotten about for a very long time, and it is one of the most powerful breakouts that you would probably see in the entire stock market over the last, you know, couple of years or so. Yeah, I mean, I look, it's just all about, you know, in the life cycle of a business and businesses change and, and so forth. I mean, IBM's all-time high is around 207. That was, what, in 2014? Mm-hmm. But its relative performance, the S&P actually peaked in 2011. That's uh, right, 13 years ago. The stock adjusted for inflation, for instance. Uh, so while it's very close to its all-time high, uh, that being 207, it's 192, 93 now. Adjusted for inflation, it's still 30% below its all-time high. Um, uh, you know, uh, so this kind of thing day to day, and we actually put out a note selling a strangle on IBM today, right? Ooh. Selling the 200 calls and selling the 180 puts um, for February. So it's 15-day trade, and is it going to go past 200 plus the premium of three bucks we took in between now and? Next 15 days, Friday the 16th, go to a new all-time highs? Probably not. Is it going to drop back to 180 after this kind of massive heavy volume up for us and gap news related? Probably not. I think that will successfully strangle all the air out of it. You keep both sides. Yeah. But um, we've had a lot of stuff. ASML is broken out. Netflix is broken out. URI, massive. Most of the moves have been to the upside. The Tesla is... The anomaly. I mean, Arthur Daniels, of course, but they, these guys maybe got some fraud. Well, Humana today. There, there's, there's actually, I mean, listen, there's some decent gaps out there, uh, you know, on both sides. Um, like that's many what happens. Gaps I mean, on both sides. It speaks but, to, do you know why there are gaps? <laughs> because the fundamental analysts can never get it right. Listen, <laughs> if, if they had the models right, you couldn't surprise them and it wouldn't move, but it gaps all the time because trying to predict earnings from a fundamental basis is idiocy. Yeah, well, well, good. but 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 it, it is the it is the business that we have chosen here um, to be very. No, no, and I chose not to do it. And I did do it professionally for years. And I realized my error it was so bad. Why would I do that? So let's not do it. Try something else. Charts have their array too, but not that array. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's take a look. Let's throw RS and P chart Carter because why not? I thought yesterday was an interesting day in terms of the initial strength, the subsequent weakness. I thought that potentially could augur poorly moving forward. Obviously, we opened higher today. Seemingly, you know, I don't say we're giving it back, but we're, you know, we're flirting with unchanged-ish in terms of the, well, not in the S&P, but in terms of the Dow and stuff. So we'll see. But was yesterday anything mean anything to you whatsoever? Or is it just too anecdotal? Yeah, I don't think anything happened other than continuation of the strength, right? And so we have all of the the, the continued sort of curious uh, especially good strength in semiconductors, and yet maybe that's getting to an end, or especially good strength in home builders, but they also are stalling. And yet we know that the Russell 3000, which guy you and I looked at uh, last time, which mm-hmm. represents 98% of the investable capital, has yet to make an all-time high, nor is the Dow Jones transportation average. So it's case by case. And I guess that's what Alpha is all about. It's right finding the right stocks. For now, those big dominant stocks are the ones that have pushed 
uh, the S&P to the new high. Yeah. Well, and, and again, you know, you made a call, uh, and I think it was in early December at a time where I think a lot of folks were thinking about maybe taking some profits and some of the things that had gotten us, the, the S&P for that matter. Um, and you made a bullish call on the SMH, on the semis, and you were calling for a further breakout, right? It almost looked like a runaway breakout. And at the time, obviously, it was largely predicated on your thought that NVIDIA would break out and, and maybe a couple of the other large components. So here we are, Carter. I got to tell you, the, the move seems a bit unnatural. Um, NVIDIA up 25% in a straight line in, you know, three weeks or something like that. It's a one and a half trillion dollar market cap company. You know, Taiwan Semi had that big move. AMD, what's going on there over the last, you know, month and a half or so. Um, I, I'm getting a little worried. I think the level of euphoria there um, is, a, is, is a little, is getting a little over exuberant. You had a note out on worth charting uh, today uh, on the SMH. And, um, I, and I'm curious how you would gauge this call because you had been a table pounder okay for uh for months uh, on, on the semis and now is this a just a trim call is it a wholesale get out we have intel yeah. tonight after the close like talk hard, to us. Hard, th yeah thanks i mean hard to know right so it's really uh, as, as written there intended as a compliment not like compliment but a complimentary angle compliment mm -hmm. and a follow-up to the to december uh buy semis for the presumptive breakout but the breakout has come and gone Hard to know how far a breakout will carry. Uh, there are techniques known as a measured move. But just to my eye, it's seeming a little bit stretched day to day, just hour to hour, week over week, the angle of the line, the breakout. And so we can, we can look at some charts if, if you'd like. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think there were in this note, this follow-up note, five, eight identical charts. So let's just go through them. This one has no judgments, lines, arrows, drawings. Let's put some in. We know that how we're pretty far above the 150 day moving average. Well, how far? Let's look at the actual numbers. You'll see it here. We're 25 uh, plus percent above. And while that's not the highest reading uh, over the past five years, and certainly not in history, you're getting to the point where, and you could see those other instances where once you're in the high 220s, low 30s, you typically start to give back. So this is making a judgment that the breakout, which has occurred, uh, is now a bit steep and uncorrected. Let's keep going. Look at the next. So we're through this well-defined channel, out through the upper band. That's uh, from the October 2022 low uh, to present. Uh, let's keep going. We know that uh, now that arrow is a judgment, of course. That's that's our thinking here that we get some give back. But you can see how steep the day-to-day -day angle is over the past three, five, six sessions. It's literally going parabolic. Uh, let's keep going. I mean, we know it was a breakout, but that has come and gone. That's the December judgment. Now what? Another way to draw the lines, I think, is the is the is this. And the point is, it was a hell of a setup, but to some extent, the opportunity has come and gone. The opportunities for a breakout has been exploited. And while sure, uh, it can go higher, my thinking is it's now so in the news and so mm -hmm. popular and so loved and embraced. And we've heard from the players. Nvidia has been heard from, and ASML today. Well, let's put that chart up next. Um, uh, that's fantastic. Last chart of these eight, um, just too far above the 150. But maybe we have an ASML chart, which is a big, um, maybe on the fly. And if we have that, uh, you'll see just yet another uh, mm -hmm. it's a big, big, big player. So uh, massive. Uh, but you've heard from them now. 
We've heard from NVIDIA, uh, so forth and so on. I don't see there's follow through. That's my thinking. We've seen, I mean, so many of these names, I mean, we can, there's a laundry list of what potentially could wind up being these blow off tops we talk about all the time. And they're manifesting themselves specifically in tech, but some other areas as well. I mean, you mentioned URI, that's a remarkable quarter, but again, you know, that's a stock that had a huge run and that's building upon it. But you have an interesting couple pieces out on the GDX, the gold miners, Carter, which, you know, all fairness, I've been bullish on. It's been wrong to be bullish. Gold miners can't get out of their own way. But you, you're seeing something, I think, that suggests that maybe I was just in early. But as you know, in our world, early is wrong. Yeah. No, the very first report of, of the year, 2024, is that uh, gold miners are likely to be an alpha proposition in 2024. They've been nothing uh, but uh, the opposite, right? Down some 10%. Um, but I, I think that the circumstance of with gold at all-time highs and the miners, the, the divergence is so extreme that one needs to just uh, hold one's nose, as the expression goes, and buy. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about gold and, and some of the miners, and it almost seems like, uh, you know, if gold can kind of find that footing in and around 2000, um, then you want to kind of take a shot at the GDX. But right now, the jury might still be out there. Um, Carter, you know, Again, and Guy just kind of said this, it really does feel like the concentration, uh, you know, within the S&P, mm -hmm. we know the top 10 is 30%. We know the top 10 in the NDX is 50%, that sort of thing. It really does, you know, we can talk about all these other stories. American Airlines is up 9% today. We can talk about URI, which is up there. It doesn't matter, man. Like at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Like if we start losing the leadership and the thing that uh, we, we highlighted a, a stat from Bespoke yesterday that. I think Microsoft and NVIDIA were like 75% of the S&P's gains year to date. And, and again, we can dice it up any way you want. But next week, we have Apple, we have Alphabet, we have Amazon, we have Meta, right? Um, all reporting. So we have five of, of the, this Mag7, mm -hmm. throw Tesla out, in my opinion. NVIDIA is important, but they don't report until the end of next month. Why are mm -hmm. they important? All those companies that we just mentioned are NVIDIA's big clients, right? Customers for all intents and purposes, right? So, so I guess... When I think about, you know, those big tech names next week, Microsoft and Apple are $6 trillion in market cap. If any of them have a sort of a fundamental hiccup, you know what I mean? Like, I think it could lead all of them lower, in my opinion. You see those implied moves. Um, those are one day implied moves in either direction. You know, you did some charts for us. We really appreciate you bringing them over here. Walk us through a little bit. And, and are there any through lines in any of these sorts of uh, charts that you see? Yeah. I mean, before we look at the charts, I mean, conceptually, one could make the following case that regardless, there are only three things that can happen, right? Or some blend of those three next week with these big heavy players. And all three of them would argue for basically either being short right now or quickly getting short. And so let's play, let's say they're all fantastic. I mean, literally Apple pulls the Netflix move up 10% and so does uh, Amazon. Let's say they're all just gangbusters. Guess what? That's like ringing a bell. Okay, now what? So if they're strong, one could say the case that will that's it. We've we've shot, every shot has been shot. IBM and Netflix and H ASML, you've URI, they've all gapped up. There's nothing left. Okay. You could also say, what if they, as you postulated, there's a few misses, which case that would be a case for, hey, we're putting in a top. Or um, they're good, they're beats, but they're not good enough. And they don't actually follow through, go higher, but they slip a little bit. But either way, there's a case we made that not in terms of price level, but Ge geography, if you will, or calendar-wise, that next week we put in a high because of 
the scenarios that I just articulated. It's not good enough. Or it is. We follow through another 3%, but then what? Because all of them gap up. Anyway, let's go through the charts. Uh, you know, one at a time. Google, we're back to a former high. In principle, before you get up and out, you back and fill. I've given it the blue sideways arrow. My hunch is you're probably back and fill. Let's keep going. I don't remember the order we have. Microsoft has already broken out, and I think you probably fade this. Yes. Uh, next, Meta, just like Google, right back to mm -hmm. a former high, a little bit above, a little below. I, I suspect this one backs and fills. Uh, Apple, a shorter term chart. Apple's relative performance continues to be very poor. And so while that uh, potentially is the setup for a breakout, I, I've given it the sideways blue arrow. And then finally, the real laggard, right? Amazon, nowhere near its highs. And my hunch is uh, play for higher. Lot to digest there. I mean, Tuesday, obviously, I mean, Monday is what it is. Tuesday is the first day where things get going. Google, AMD, Starbucks, throw that in there. I mean, there, there's a laundry. I think Microsoft might be Tuesday as well. But then people are going to skip over Wednesday because Boeing is what it is. And they're going to look at Thursday. I'll tell you, don't sleep on quickly, Amanda, if we could pull up a name like Phillips 66 PSX, which, you know, despite the equities in, in the energy space not being particularly strong, Here's one that is absolutely gone gangbusters, mm -hmm. and that's a shorter-term chart. You can put up a longer-term chart, and you'll see. I mean, this stock has performed. The only concern I have here is what we just saw in terms of the, you know, when you get a couple standard deviations away from a moving average. But there have been a number of names in the space that have done well. Then, obviously, Thursday, I think everybody's got their eyes set on that. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, I think we all sort of line up the same way. The moves this week, are fun if you're long, but are concerning if you've been, you know, uh, apprehensive. Well, listen, and just walk through those five names that we had up there. I mean, in, in Carter, by just just looking at the technicals, um, you know, you think that at, you know four of them should very likely kind of back and fill a little bit with maybe Amazon um, playing a little catch up, and and that definitely makes some sense. But you also highlighted the fact that you know Netflix is up what fourteen percent in two trading days now after that huge gap. Netflix is a $220 billion market cap company, okay? And there was a time that that was a very big company. It is not a very big company, right, anymore, if you think about it from a market cap term. So to get that stock to gap up 10%, you know what I mean? Like, like to me, that, that that's a very different story than the applied moves that we have on these stocks that are trading at one and a half to $3 trillion in market cap, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, a lot of them have already moved in front of the news. So right. if two of the three scenarios are not as good as expected, Expectations, and I'll just go back to Tesla for a second. Tesla's expectations were not high no. by any means. And the fact that they are selling that stock down 13% today, it just tells you, I think we're kind of priced for perfection right here. And I also want to go back to Google, if they can pull this up for a second here. When this company reported their Q3, the stock sold off nine and a half percent the next day. Okay, there were concerns about cloud growth. There's some, you know, there's just a handful of concerns. Like the, the, the Amanda's like highlighting right there. Here we are, we're up twenty percent. You know, since then, if there are similar concerns and the results and the guidance, where do you think that stock's going? Now that is a beautiful breakout. I get it. Trades that are like a really good valuation expectations for what they are able to do, maybe relative to a Microsoft as it relates to generative AI, is maybe lower, and maybe they're so it's a smaller bar for them to 
that step over. But again, all of this stuff unchecked seems pretty dangerous to me because there is a, a level of euphoria around these names right now, this early in the year after last year that I just think sets up. I think the higher we go unchecked is the harder we're going to fall, guy. I, listen, you know, I agree with that. I'll tell you that we we were looking at each other when that Google quarter came out and said this is an overreaction to the downside. But that's not even the point. What you're saying is things like that have happened before. And it stands to reason, given the run, you know, we've traded through those levels and beyond. You know, they really have to perform this quarter in order for these runs to continue. So there are definitely a lot of hiccups potentially out there. And when you have, again, these are all, I mean, they're their own companies in so much as they all have their moats, but there's some concentric circles in there as well. There's some overlap. And, you know, you have to wonder about potentially the ad spend environment with small caps doing what, you know, there's definitely been pressure on basically small and medium-sized companies, which are the basically the bread and butter for a few of these companies at least. So it's something to keep in a consideration. One last thing on that note, Carter, um, we're going to throw up a Russell 2000 if they want to do an IWM. I mean, I think it's notable. There was a lot of conversation about the RSP, the equal weight S&P catching up to the market cap weighted one. And then the, you know, outperformance that we suffer a little bit in the Russell, but it seems to paired its way back a little bit, pretty unimpressive. And then if you look on a five-year basis, I think you mentioned this yesterday on market call. I mean, this is still, 20 percent off its late 2021 yeah. highs and again there's a nice long base there um and it's come a long way in a short period of time after making you know two-year lows just two months ago or so thoughts on the russell and what that might be telling us relative to say all this enthusiasm on these mega cap tech stocks right so and, and when we did we looked at that in some detail and it, it really is something that needs to be figured out right because if um if a market is very bullish definitionally and history reveals this that one is right to embrace beta and um smaller cap and so if we're if we're going to continue to be bullish at some point the more aggressive more speculative higher beta names will uh typically uh, outperform and yet at the same time uh the super cap names continue to be the ones that are outperforming because in many ways they are both very defensive Right, because of their moats and their cash, but they also because they have idiosyncratic growth, which has nothing to do with uh, Main Street and GDP. And so we have this curious juxtaposition that the small are not participating, even though we are making new highs in the S&P 500. And so from here, is it because there's something wrong with the small cap because they are impaired and about a third of them in the Russell then don't make any money? Or one could say it doesn't even matter anyway because the entire market cap of the Russell 2000 adds up to Apple and maybe one more stock? Or is it right to just play by the t- textbook, which says at some point these have to participate and that alpha lies here? I don't know the answer, but uh, I know I have a lot of clients that are playing it both ways. Some are saying this is for losers, don't do it. Others are saying this is where the holy grail lies. Others are just sticking with their Apple and, and so forth. Um, my, my hunch is that this has to work for the market to continue. Um, or said differently, you could get a situation where these are outperforming because the big ones are starting to falter, Yeah. Um, in which case the general market goes lower. Yeah, because it, the big, and, right, and you know, listen... Happening. 
I'll just say this. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking right now. The markets are moving. It's intraday, right? We talk, you know, in, in trading terms. And we also sometimes in very specific, we'll talk about how we're thinking about things for a longer term, you know, um, you know, investing sort of time horizon. You know, I have a friend of mine who said to me, hey, you know, all of 2022, when you were really bearish, you were telling me just a dollar cost average into the QQQ. This is somebody who's not in the markets. We talked a lot about it on our pods. Mm-hmm. And like, again, you know, we're sitting here talking while the markets are going on and we're calling it play by play, but we're also doing other things, right? As we have more money to invest, you know, whether it be for our kids' college or the retirement or this or whatever, the the best thing, the only thing to do is dollar cost average, no matter what the mood is really in the markets. And it's interesting. He said to me, you were specifically talking about the QQQ. And I was, because that's where I thought when we came out of whatever malaise or bear market we're in, they were going to do the best. Now he's saying to me, well, what should I do now? Because I'm up 50 five percent and mm-hmm. you know what i mean on, on the average price of that slug that i was buying and what i said is like listen maybe you tamp down the dollar cost averaging of the qqq that's up 25 percent in just two and a half months or so and then you might look to something that has lagged like the russell 2000 does that make sense to you guy in a way if you're just thinking about it, and again this is not for next month or or even next year. This is a dollar cost averaging positioning yourself for something for a much longer term. No, it makes listen, it makes a lot of sense. Carter would agree with this as well. You know, trade the market, don't let the market trade you. And when you have those types of gains, it's almost incumbent upon you to do something. And I'm not saying this, I don't know if he's listening or not, but we're not saying to get out of the entire thing by any stretch. But now you've got you've given you you've bought yourself the flexibility to trade around your position. So if you put a little out of here, if you sell a little bit of your position, it can continue to go higher. You know what? You're still long. If it goes down, maybe you buy a little bit back. Now you're trading the market, not allowing the market to trade. Carter, yet. does that make sense also if you were going to, like, let's say, take some profits in over a two-year period in the QQQ, and let's say you were not exposed to small caps, and you're looking at this underperformance, you say, why do I want to buy the thing that sucks? You know what I mean? But again, if you're looking at it at a multiple-year time horizon, would that make some sense to you? And so, and it's again, it's, that's the beauty of being able to act on the increment if you can, is rather than just in or out, sell it all, buy it all, double it. Yeah. You can shave and trim, and that's what uh, that's what uh, nuanced sort of thinking and or strategy is all about. Yeah. Uh, why not? All things held equal, reduce exposure to this area of the market, which is up thirty plus percent on an intermediate basis and redeploy into another area of the market, which has been such a laggard that uh, there is the prospect of a catch-up trade. You know, before we let Carter go, I'll tell you this, if we could pull that Russell chart up longer term, I, you know, I remember this like it was yesterday, but all during 2020, the IWM was flatlining and late in the year, it appeared as though we were breaking out to the upside. And we talked about it with Carter and he and he thought, we potentially could have a false breakout there. And that's pretty much exactly what happened. Now, granted, what happened in the ensuing months, obviously, with COVID and everything, that really shook things yeah. out. With that said, the formation we've seen over the last year or so is exactly the same thing. It appeared as though a couple of weeks ago that we were breaking out only to give it all back. So just keep that in mind. The false breakouts here have happened more than a few times, Dan. Yep, no doubt. All right, Carter Braxtonworth, we appreciate it. We appreciate you bringing you. your work from Worth Charting. You guys know where to find him, worthcharting.com. And he joins us a couple times a week on the Market Call. So thanks so much, Carter. We appreciate right. your work. Thanks, bud. Before we get to Butters, we tease the FXI. Let's pull oh, yeah, that up real that. quick. So I, you know, and I'll say this. Like, I, I want to be crystal freaking clear. We have been 
universally bearish on China and all the yeah. surrounding things for quite some time. But the events over the last couple of days, and Amanda drew that line, lead me to believe you might have a very tradable bottom here in the FXI. So you saw what we traded down to earlier in the week. You saw the subsequent news out of the government. You saw the headlines, Joe Tsai mm -hmm. and the other cat, um, Jack Ma bought uh, Alibaba stocks. So you have all those catalysts. You also have the technical catalyst. And even if you want to go back longer, we had mentioned sort of the low in 08. So you're at levels that we have held now a couple times. So the risk reward in the FXI, in my opinion, sets up extraordinarily favorably. And if you want to play individual stocks, you might have gotten that same signal in terms of Alibaba, which, again, has been in a downtrend for three and a half years. But you've seen 35 to 50 percent bounces. I think we might be on the verge of one of those right now. Yeah. And then here was another one. You know, Baba is in my acronym on the fast mm, money. Guy. So you might do yeah. well. Um, let's pull up. I think it's a tweet from Carl Quintanilla. You just call him Q. Q or, or CQ, CQ, CQ. Uh, and I think it's data from Bespoke here, and uh, it's yeah, it is Bespoke. It says China's share of global market cap is now roughly the same as it was seventeen Which years is ago. Odd. Well, just think about that. Think about how excited people were about investing in China for the last fifteen years. Um, so, and a lot of that has to do with China themselves, how yeah. they've uh, kind of viewed their own, uh, you know, capital markets and the like here. So again, your point guy is that if they are kind of turning tide right now and want to support those capital markets or those, uh, the stock market in particular, then it's something that you probably don't want to fight, yeah, look, especially I, with sentiment. This I, I want to be clear. It's not a fundamental call on the Chinese economy. You know, there's still, this is a trading, this is a trading call and a trading call only. So the recent low, I think, was 2085. Let's call it 21, just to round up. So I think in the FXI, you risk 21 to the downside for a significant move higher. In Alibaba, you're probably risking 69 to the downside for a potential $90, $95 stock, which again, you're like, you're out of your mind. Yes, yeah. number one, but two... <laughs> We've seen moves like that many times over the last few years. Yeah, but like, listen, this is kind of easy. Just stop it at the low. You know what I mean? If yeah. you were to buy it here, or if you're looking at calls or call spreads or something like that, defining your risk, I mean, I, like, you don't have to be like a deer in headlights here. And you don't have to be like, oh, well, it's just rallied two days in a row. Just to be clear, Guy and I have been talking about this. You know, we've been talking about the weakness and the sentiment towards China and whether or sooner or later that's going to roll over into the US and Europe. But when you have this sort of data, it also not too different than the conversation we just had with the QQQ and the IWM. You know, sometimes you roll out of one thing into another, um, one thing that's much love and one thing that's not much love. So uh, I appreciate that conversation. Um, Guy, I want to hit this because we'd be remiss to not focus on this GDP print that came out this mm -hmm. morning. Because, you know, listen, you know, Fed Chair Powell on December 13th, the day that sparked a huge rally in equities, right? And they were already underway from late October or so. They pointed to their GDP expectation for 2024 to be 1.4%. And look at how GDP has continued to surprise to the upside. Now, this is backwards looking mm -hmm. for 2023. But the stock market they liked it. They liked this data, uh, okay? Because, but but it's complicated, right? Because a stronger than expected stock market that is, you know, rallying off stronger than expected economic data, right? Which that means that maybe the Fed doesn't have the cover to start lowering interest rates, That's right? And that might also be the reason why those higher interest rates or why the small caps are kind of stuck in the mud right now. So it's a complicated case here, Maud. Uh, Maud, to get that? I, no, I know so, Maud. That so, she lived no, in newer. No. Shell. You're not going to get it. Some of the people in the chat are going to get that. It's a very complicated case, Maude. Um, but but 
but let's talk about strong. Is that like a Seinfeld thing? No, it's uh, the Big Lebowski. Um, I watched that movie. Yeah, you've seen that movie. Um, but let's talk about this because this is what's gonna. This is gonna be the push and pull in 2024, guys. You know, we have yeah. an S and P that's up a few percent after being down a few percent. We have a Nasdaq that's up four percent. Um, but if the economy stays pretty well bid here and the fed let's say doesn't have cover to lower interest rates and let's say inflation just stays where it is mm-hmm. let's say it doesn't move a whole heck of a lot that's I, I don't know how that does for risk assets here no but that i mean what you just described was that you know threading the needle that people have been talking about for quite some time you know the economy reaccelerating unemployment not taking off like gangbusters to the upside inflation moderating cooling I mean, that's all exactly what you want. And interest rates no longer the volatility in the interest rate market, the bond market companies. You know, it's not necessarily the rate. It's the it's the fluctuation in the rate mm-hmm. that I think screws companies up. If you can get sort of some stability in the bond market where people can figure things out and sort of gauge out and plan for their business vis-a-vis mm-hmm. the bond market, then it's obviously a better scenario. So everything you said probably makes sense. Of course, the flip side of that coin is, you know, typically, again, that's the wrong time, I think. When, you know, when things seemingly are at their best is typically when risk assets have gotten to levels that don't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. And I think that's what we're seeing to a certain extent right now. Yeah. And again, while we have the yield chart up here um, and we've been talking about it a bit, um, you know, it, it's firming up a little bit. So what would be the condition guide to take the 10-year yield back below 4%. It would be the expectation that the Fed is going to start cutting interest rates more aggressively, right? So so maybe folks got a little too geeked up when they're pricing in five or six cuts in 2024, mm-hmm. right? And so that kind of corrected itself. Now we know that we have a Fed meeting next week. Expectations for a cut are basically zero. They're basically less than 50% for the March meeting. That was as high as what, 75% or something like that a few weeks ago. So the condition in which now the, the market starts to move in front of what the Fed might might say about interest rates going lower is inflationary data coming down faster. I mean, that's it. Like, that's the only thing that I guess you got to track. Now, the flip side of that is, you know, putting a bow on this is that stronger economic data in general, though, is going to keep the Fed um, at bay. At bay. All I right. think we'll see. I mean, you know, it's a tough. Listen, this is this is a tough one. It, it, you know, if we weren't staring at our screens, guy, in the last few trading days of January into all of mm-hmm. this important. Um, earnings data, and then obviously the Fed meeting with some of these stocks up the way they are, I think that we could be a bit more hopeful about the stock market right now. I, I, but but right now, it feels like we pulled forward a, a lot. lot of enthusiasm. Now, we'll see. If it's Thursday, it's butters. You do your thing. All right, let's do it. All right, so this is Thursday. It's Market Call. Earnings Insight by John Butters drops every Friday morning on the FactSet uh, Insight blog. That's insight.factset.com slash subscribe, and you can have it into your inbox. But we're going to preview it today. And I think what John is talking about today is really important, Guy, and it kind of kind of weaves well into this entire conversation that we've just had here. Six of the Magnificent Seven companies are also the top six positive contributors to year-over-year earnings for the S&P 500 for Q4. The blended, that's actuals plus estimates, earnings decline for the entire S&P 500 is 1.7% mm-hmm. for Q4. NVIDIA, Amazon, Meta, Google, Microsoft, and Apple combined are projected to report earnings growth of 53.6% for insane. Q4. Now, you know, you could say that they had some easy comparisons from 2022. Okay. The blended earnings decline for the uh, the other 494 companies in the S&P is 10.9% for Q4. Yeah, that 
that's you know if you want to read one thing today or just stare at one thing yeah. stare at those bullet points and you probably i mean john does extraordinary work you could probably back apple out of that thing and you probably have the same numbers if not better in terms of projected yeah. earnings growth with all that said the blended earnings decline for the other 400 basically the rest of the entire tradable market in the S&P is down 11%. I mean, it's pretty significant. So, you know, when we talk about the market being buoyed by a handful of names, I mean, it, it manifests itself in the stock market, but it's clearly showing itself in terms of earnings as well. Yeah, and it's interesting that, you know, there was all this expectation coming into 2023 for a recession, right? An economic recession. We did have an earnings recession, right? And that's what the stock market in 2022 discounted, right? So here we are now in 2023 and and you see those sorts of numbers and you say to yourself, are we out of the woods yet? Like like who knows? And so I think this next slide is really interesting too, guy. Four of the Magnificent mm -hmm. Seven companies are also the top four positive contributors of year-over-year -year earnings for the S&P 500 for Q1. The estimated earnings growth uh, rate for the entire S&P 500 for Q1 is 5.1%. NVIDIA, Amazon, Meta, and Google combined are projected to report earnings growth of 79.4% for Q1. Again, easy compares. The estimated earnings growth rate for the rest of the 496 companies in the S&P 500 is less than 1%, 0.9% for Q1. You could go back and look over history. And again, I haven't done it as granularly as some people, but I have to believe when you just look at this specifically, that's as top heavy as yeah. the market has ever been. And that's either a very good thing or it's an extraordinarily I, dangerous thing. I don't thing. know how it's a good thing. I don't and, think it is. And this goes back to, I, I guess, the conversation that we had with Carter as far as expectations for some of these stocks um, next week into their results. I think both of those charts from Butters suggest that the entire weight of this market rests on about five stocks right now. And so if there is one of these companies that is, you know, is, is just guides down and it's something that is extract you know can be extrapolated mm -hmm. to another industry or that that sort of thing i just think we're going to be in for it especially when you consider the crowding that's happened in such a short period of time um you know over the last month or so in these names so again we appreciate john butter's work we appreciate the early look that we get to the earnings insight that drops on friday mornings um it drops on the fact site blog but you can also get it in your inbox, you see it right there, insight.factset.com slash subscribe, Guy Don. Love Butters. Yep. We're going to see Butters. We're going to see Butters. The it? end of April into May. Yeah. In Florida. Fact Miami. Set. Not it's, Miami it's, Beach. It's in Miami. Focus 2024. And you're going to be focused on that for the next couple laser. of Laser. Yeah, laser focus. No, but, I, you know, Butters is going to be there. I'm going to have him sign Dude, something. Dude, I'm going to tell you this. Like, I, sign I, my, you know, I don't know. I'm going to tell you this, something. guy. And I don't mean to, I, I don't mean to, like, kind of freak you out right uh -oh. now. I have a really weird feeling about the market right now. I feel like 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 just looking at Butter's data and the conversation that we just had and how overbought some of these stocks are, and then a stock like Tesla, which was just the cult following. And you and I have said this, and Danny Moses has said this, and we've said this for years mm -hmm. now, okay? This thing, this market, you know, sort of thing that we've been in over the last few years in the post-pandemic or whatever, will not be over until a stock like like. Tesla gets sold and then gets sold again. And then all the bulls just leave it for dead. And the story is done. And Elon's on the sideline for something like, like, and that, I think that's kind of happening. Right here's now. a question, but I, I, I don't know the answer to this, but here's just a question. Do you think the majority, the majority in terms of numbers of people, not in, not in aggregate, because mm -hmm. that's a dumb, but the number of people, do you think more people have lost money being in Tesla 
or made money. Well, now you're going to the long term investors have clearly done extraordinarily well. But, you know, Tesla really wasn't, a, you know, you really didn't start talking about it in earnest yep. until like, I don't know, 20, 2020 ish. You know, then all of a sudden it was on everybody's radar screen. I would submit probably a lot of people plowed into the stock all through 20, 2021. And quite frankly, if that's the case, as you sit here today, you haven't done particularly well. Yeah. So it's just interesting to think of it through that lens. Yeah, over the last year, if you just want to pull a one-year chart up, there was probably 20 trading days that you could have bought the stock last year, okay, in the last year where you'd be up money, right? And we've also highlighted the fact that the stock went into the S&P 500 when the stock yeah. was $232. So think about all the funds that that it's in that that track the S&P 500, right? So there's there was so many other better places to make money in the stock market than Tesla over the last couple of years. And then if you think about just Elon and all these, you know, uh, all, all these cheerleaders for him and for the story who've just been getting folks in the name, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, man, I, I you know, I could see this stock easily back at 150. And then at that point, the jury's still out on what happens. And again, I'll just make the point is that this is a company that in a, in a recession, if you listen to everything that they're saying about the price of their cars and what they need to happen, right, with rates mm -hmm. and everything, that to make them more appealing and what they need to happen as far as potentially, you know, trade wars with China and the like or whatever. If there is an economic recession, this thing's toast it is absolutely toast. And then the one thing that we have not talked about in a very long time is that the margin. OK, so Elon has borrowed, OK, against his Tesla holdings to buy Twitter. He took 13 billion dollars in debt. He paid, you know, tens of billion dollars in equity. He did raise some along with it. Where does this stock have to go where he starts getting margin calls? Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I wonder if that whole shenanigans about over the last month or so or last couple of weeks when he's been talking about greater ownership interest in the stock uh, because he wants to be able to control the direction of AI and the like here. I wonder if that has something to do with the. Uh, well, the well, I think that's definitely part of it, but it's also Tesla specific. I mean, again, we talked about margins. People are focused on that. We have some fun slides. So check this out. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at this. I mean, what Amanda and Timmy work on these things. What but you want to sign up for our real-time insights for trades. Throw that slide up there, Amanda, because this thing looks damn good if she can. I don't know if she can. Oh, what are we doing? We got a new, we got a new newsletter. Well, yeah. It's going out every day. So I just wanted, I just thought, I don't know. So we got the newsletter. And so you sign up for that. And we also have a, a, a an option for trade there alerts go. there. You can follow us on uh, the social. So guy is guy.adami. Uh, that's on the Instagram. I'm Dan's Nathan, Dan S. Nathan, mm -hmm. Risk Personal Media account. You see all the other stuff. So we're going to start putting some daily sort of previews of what we're talking about on the market call on our Instagram. So be sure to follow us there. We're also putting some really tricked out Jacob and Amanda and Timmy are coming up with some really great videos. There, some shorter form stuff. Uh, that's all going to be on our social. So check that out. And then we're going to get the information out to you guys about signing up for the newsletter. We're not yeah, I thought yet. we had some fun slides ready, but they're, they must be the quote. They're in beta. Yeah, they're getting there. They're almost there. Rangers wave Nick Benino. It looks like Phil Heedle might be coming back. I know you've been concerned about yes. that. And listen, getting up to the all-star break, I'm happy with where we are, but I'm not happy how we got there. That's yeah. not market stuff. That's Ranger stuff. Nick's are playing well. Uh, we won't see you tomorrow. We will see you Monday, however, from... Miami. We're going to be we'll in Miami Connections Global Alts. We're going to be broadcasting live. We're going to be on the beach on Monday. Well, I don't know about that. No, we literally are going to be outside broadcasting. You know who wrote on the beach? Neville Shute 
wrote on the beach. You want to Google it right now. I'm okay. just telling you. Go ahead. Do is, that it. That, is that the Danny Boyle movie? No. The, oh, no it's, that's it's, the beach that, that Leo. And you're a big Leo no, fan. No, no, I am. I love Leo, but that's not on so the beach. Leo got snubbed for an Oscar nod for this flowers of the killer movie yeah the, the oscar the you know they also said that the, the one from thing. the barbie the yeah. director and the what's Greta her name Gerwig. neither one of them got i love gosling i'm a huge gosling fan. i am too because he came out and said it's bullshit basically oh did he yeah yeah oh, I, I, I didn't like him in that movie i thought that movie movie stupid. sucked yeah. i you know yeah but you know what I'll tell you, my wife and my daughters, like when I said I thought yeah. that movie sucked, they looked at me like, I don't, of course it's you a, did. That's no, it's not, of course. That's what they said. It wasn't a good movie. Right. I mean, if there's a message in they there, They like okay. the message. And they think that me saying it sucked means that I didn't like no, no, no. the message. The me- I thought it sucked because it wasn't entertaining. It just, yeah. you know, I, I hear the message. It made a billion right. dollars. Yeah, fantastic. A billion. You know what else? Napoleon we watch it. Did you like it? No. Really? I love Ridley Scott. I do too, but the movie was Isn't it interesting that Ridley Scott cast joaquin phoenix in you know late 90s for the gladiator yeah and that was, was like his that. breakout role he right it really was right man and, wants and, society, and yeah. he might have he might have won a, a man uh, is saying he might have won an academy award for that um but clearly ridley scott won an academy award for best director uh our russell main Crow. man russell crowe for best act that's a great movie that's a great movie man just like please stop all right should we get out of here see you monday all right see you thanks guys 